Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Nick. And thanks so much for tuning in today. And Nick, we got a big game tonight. Who are you pulling for? I'm pulling for the Chiefs all the way. And I, as a longtime Chiefs fan, I'm so excited about the game tonight. Um, To the point, I'm like, hey, let's wear the swag right now. Um, And hey, listen, happy Super Bowl day to you all. But hey, we're here for something even greater, which is to worship Jesus. And we're so glad we get to do that together. And, And if it's your first time checking out New City Church, A special welcome to you. We're so glad you found us. And if you want to take that step to connect with us, you can easily do so by going to newcity.us slash connect. You can fill out the form there and we'll be sure to get in touch with you this week. That's right. And we have two really great events coming up that we want to share with you. The first is actually happening today and it's GroupLink. And GroupLink is the single best way to get into a community group here at New City Church. And around here, one of our values is that community is our design. We believe that God has created us for biblical community. So if you're ready to take that step, check out GroupLink. And the second event is virtual date night. And for you married couples, this is a great way to kick off your Valentine's Day weekend. You can register for virtual date night and GroupLink and learn more about these events at newcity.us events. And we wanna once again say thank you, New City family, for your incredible generosity. It was so cool to hear the update Uh, around the Christmas serve offering that you all gave to. And we as a church were able to give upwards of $130,000 to to bless two of our local serve partners as well as one global uh, serve partner. And that's an incredible thing. That's not a small thing. That's an only God thing. So thank you for stepping into that. And if you wanna give to our regular offering today, you can do so easily by going to to newcity.us give, and you'll be able to find out how to give right there. And thank you again, just for your continued partnership with us as as we seek to bring gospel renewal to our city and world. And now let's join Jay as he leads us in worship. Welcome to New City Online. We wanna lead you in worship. Hallelujah In the presence of my enemies I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief I raise a
this song bless you as you think about the times you feel most alone. May the song encourage you to know that God is with you even in those lonely times. There's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way in the walls are closing here. Space between where I used to be and this reckoning. I don't know I will never be alone. There was another ring of fire standing next to me. There's another Set free is across the beds of earth. Another died for me. Is another in the fire. All my dead left and dead beneath. Slaves in the city anymore. Should I fall in the space between what remains of me and this reckoning? Either way, I will bow to the things of this world.
Jesus. There is no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. So come and reign in the space between all the things I see and the tragedy. I don't know I will never be. Today we're finishing up our series, How to Grow Your Faith. Chris is preaching about pivotal moments, moments where God reveals himself and his will to us in a significant way. We'll be looking at the life of Moses from Exodus 2 and 3. So as you have time, go ahead and turn there in your Bible or pull it up on the New City app. Now let's join Chris with part five of How to Grow Your Faith. Today we're finishing a series entitled How to Grow Your Faith here at New City. We've been looking at these five scriptural principles that help us to grow our faith in Jesus. And this is so important because when we grow our faith in God, we are able to to bring him more glory. That's the reason for all of it. And we're also able to bring the goodness of the gospel to more and more people, including ourselves. And so I'm so proud of you over the last several weeks as we've been walking through each of these principles. So many of you have raised your hand and said, I wanna get into biblical community. I wanna help disciple someone else. I wanna go and serve. I wanna really live out some of these key principles that God gives to us to help us grow our faith. And so I just wanna encourage you with that. And if you've missed any of these messages, to go back and to listen and 
to sit in them and to ask God the question, you know, what is it that you're asking me to do to place my hand into your hand and to follow you more closely this year? Here's all five scriptural principles for how to grow your faith together. Again, as we finish this series today, the first one we started with is practical teaching. And we looked at the, the last part of the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter seven, when Jesus said, it's not just the person that listens to God's word and his instruction, but it's the person that applies it that's really wise. And so practical teaching is a a pillar of growing our faith, not just being hearers of the word, as James says, but being doers and appliers of God's word in our hearts and our lives in every way. And then we moved on from there to the second one, which is providential relationships. And the scriptures are littered with providential relationships, these people that come into our story to help us to know more of God's story. But we focused in on Priscilla and Aquila and Paul in Acts chapter 18, how God orchestrates their lives to bring them together to encourage their faith, to grow their faith, and to spread the gospel to more and more people. And then the third one we looked at is private disciplines. And Pastor Rodney led us through that third uh, biblical principle for growing our faith. And we talked about things that we need to abstain from and things that we need to engage in privately to grow our faith. And we looked at the example of Jesus in Mark chapter one, where he would uh, intentionally leave and go out to places of solitude, uh, where he could commune with the Father, where he could uh, pray, where he could fill himself up so that he could give himself out in ministry to other people. And then last week we looked at personal ministry and we talked about the, the calling of the first disciples and how they, they left who they were and their livelihoods and they followed after Jesus. And we talked about the fact that our faith always grows when we take the next step in following Jesus. When we immediately cast down you know, what we've been doing and follow Jesus and what he's asking us to do. And today I want to finish by looking at the fifth principle and that's pivotal moments. God's revelation, I want you to remember this, if you don't take anything else away from the message today as we finish the series, I hope you'll take this away, that God's revelation is always my invitation. God's revelation is my invitation. That's what a pivotal moment is. It's God revealing himself to me so that I will follow after him and grow my faith. And, and whether that means uh, following him in a different way, in a different direction in your profession, in a relationship, whether that means experiencing him in a deeper, more meaningful way, God's revelation to me is always his invitation to experience him more, to follow him more, to grow my faith. And in the Old Testament, what they would do with these pivotal moments is they would, they would signify them or they would remember them with what was called an Ebenezer. And literally the word Ebenezer means a stone of help. And I love that because it was, a, it was a physical way, a tangible way to hold on to a pivotal moment, uh, a way that God had revealed himself in such a powerful and strong way. And they wanted to, to remember that so that it could help them in their faith. And I think that's so helpful for us today in our own faith with these pivotal moments that we signify them in, in memorable ways. We have uh, pictures all throughout our house of, of different moments in our life where God has come through in remarkable ways. And, and, and so when people come into our home, we're able to tell those stories. I want to show you one now with all three of our kids when they were younger and we're sitting in a place that was, is very meaningful to us where God worked in unbelievable ways and, and so many different stories came together and, and it was a truly only God moment and place for us. And this is one of the pictures that hangs in our house as an Ebenezer, as a, as a stone of help, as a remembrance. So it encourages our faith every time that we look at it to remember, oh man, God came through in this remarkable way and he revealed 
humbled himself and invited us to know him more deeply and to follow him in a greater way. Um, but, but, but it also is a way for us to tell that story to other people, uh, to our children, to other people that come in our home. And, and I wonder what those could be for you. It might be a picture for you that hangs on your wall. It, it, it might be a memento of a place where you were at where God showed up and revealed himself in a powerful way. Ebenezer's are important. These, these pivotal moments help us to grow our faith. And every day isn't a pivotal moment, but God's at work. And when he does reveal himself in these ways, in these moments, it's important that we remember them and, and, and we embrace them for all that they are as God's invitation to know him more and to grow more deeply. Sometimes I think, I, I, maybe you, you, you disagree with this, see what you think about this. Sometimes I think it's easier to look at other people's stories and lives and pictures maybe, and, and to see how God's working in their life than it can be in our own uh, stories. I, I often think that when we look at the scriptures and we read some of the stories and pivotal moments, uh, God revealing himself in a powerful way as an invitation to those people, it's, it's easier to see how God's working through these pivotal moments in our own lives. And so I wanna look at someone in the scriptures that experienced God and his revelation in a really profound way. And my hope is that as, by, as we look at his story, that you'll think about your own story and how God's working and moving in your own life, even today, to draw you and invite you closer to him. So Let's look at the story of Moses. And if you have your scriptures, I wanna encourage you to turn specifically to Exodus chapters two and three. That's where we're gonna hang out today. But while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context for Moses's story and this uh, pivotal moment that happened, this revelation of God that invited him uh, to follow God more deeply and to know him more intimately. The book of Exodus begins actually with a Hebrew letter that means and. So it's a continuation, the book of Exodus is, it's a continuation of what's happening in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, where God is calling a people for himself to know him, to follow him, and God reveals himself in remarkable ways to invite his people to know him and to follow him. So Exodus is a continuation of the story of God inviting us to know him more deeply. And so in Exodus chapter one, verse eight, we find uh, the people of God in Egypt. They've, they've gone there through uh, Joseph in a time of famine to, uh, to, to preserve themselves, to stay alive, and they've made a life for themselves there. And Pharaoh, through the leadership of Joseph, um, treats the people of God fairly. Uh, they're blessed there. They, they grow, they multiply, but then something happens. And if you have your scriptures, look at it with me. In verse 8, chapter 1, there was a new Pharaoh that arose that did not know Joseph. He didn't know the story. He didn't remember the story and he begins to treat the people of Israel harshly. He begins to oppress them. The scripture says here that he uh, begins to deal shrewdly with them because he begins to fear them and their, their numbers. And he says, you know, our enemies could attack us and these people could join our enemies and, and overthrow us. So it's out of fear that this new Pharaoh begins to oppress the people of God. And out of that story, out of that context, Moses is born. Did you know that Moses was actually born with a death sentence over his head? That this new Pharaoh had gone to the extremes of, of committing genocide against the, the, all the males of, of Israel. When they were born, the people were instructed in Egypt to throw them into the Nile. And that's the context that Moses is born into. Out of oppression, the very sentence of death over him, the one who would give life-giving purposes and meaning to his people was born with a sentence of death. The boy that would be 
destroyed by Pharaoh would himself become God's instrument to overthrow Pharaoh, the means by which all of Israel, God's community, his people he had invited into relationship would escape his wrath. I love this. The child that was left in the reeds of the river would one day part the Red Sea. Moses would become a forerunner for us of, of Jesus a marker of what God wanted to do in setting his people free from bondage and leading them into a promised land. It was a, it was a picture of what Jesus wants to do for us today. But none of it would have happened. None of this story that we know to be the life of Moses would have happened without these marked pivotal moments. God revealing himself in powerful, profound ways and inviting Moses to know him more and to grow his faith. And so I wanna talk today about three pivotal moments from the life of Moses in Exodus 2 and Exodus 3. And the first moment that I wanna share with you is murder. And that may sound like a a crazy way to start Moses' story. Some of you may not realize that Moses actually committed murder in his story. In his first 40 years, we, we see him growing up in the house of Pharaoh. And when he comes of age, verse 11 says, when he had grown up, he went out and he looked out on his people and he saw their burdens and he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. And let's just stop there for a second here in Exodus 2 verse 11 because Moses in his story, it's really interesting. He's a Hebrew who grew, grows up in an Egyptian home. So he's, he's, he's not enough Hebrew to, 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 to really relate to his people, but he's also not an Egyptian to really relate to Egyptians. So I'll, I'll say it this way. He's too much of a Hebrew to be an Egyptian, but he's, he's too much of an Egyptian to be a Hebrew. He's sort of in no man's land. And and he goes out as he's come of age. He's 40 years old here in verse 11 when we catch up to a story in chapter two. And he sees one of his people, uh, they're being oppressed uh, by an Egyptian. And he takes matters into his own hands. You can go and read the story for yourself. He, he looks this way and that to see if anybody's watching him and he, and he kills the Egyptian. And then he buries the body in the sand. It's a, it's a crazy way to start the story. And, and you may say, well, how is this a pivotal moment? Well, it drove Moses, Moses out of Egypt. Before he led his people out of Egypt, he's driven out of Egypt because he commits this murder. He takes matters into his own hands. Have you ever done that before? We, we see part of Moses' calling here where he obviously has a sense of justice. He wants to stand up for his people. He wants to, to right a wrong. But, but this is really important to see from the, from the story of Moses in, in this first pivotal moment of him committing murder. That when we take matters into our own hands, even a good intention can become something that's very, very detrimental to other people and ourselves and our own faith. And let me say it a different way. Moses has a desire to stop oppression, but because he doesn't go uh, through God and look to God and trust God for the timing of that and how to do that, he becomes the oppressor. And the same thing can happen to us as we think about our own stories and where we are. We could take a good desire and it can become evil when we take it in our own hands. Let me say it a different way, thinking about the story of Moses and growing our faith. Moses has a calling to be a person that alleviates his people, the Hebrews from oppression, to be a person that brings justice, the pers- a person that liberates them from oppression, but he doesn't yet have the character to match that calling. 
He has a calling to be a liberator, to be a forerunner of Jesus, but he doesn't have the character to match that yet. And so when he takes matters into his own hands here in Exodus chapter two, he himself becomes an oppressor, oppressor, a murderer. And again, the same thing happens to us. Some of you might have a a great desire to bring justice or to bring liberation to a place or to do good. But when we don't look to Jesus and look to the cross of how to bring that about and we take it into our own hands, we can contribute to that injustice or oppression or something that's going on. And that's really important for us to remember today as we look at this first pivotal moment in Moses' life, that that without looking to God, he himself becomes the oppressor. And then we see this incredible passage here in Exodus 2. As as Moses is driven out of Egypt because he commits murder, because he takes matters into his own hands, he's driven out to the desert. And he goes to a place called Midian. And verse 15 says it this way. Let me read it to you. When Pharaoh heard of it, when he heard of the murder... He sought to kill Moses. So this is the second time that, that, the Pharaoh, that Pharaoh has, has tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled. He runs away from Pharaoh. And he stays in the land of Midian, which was out in the desert. And he sits down by a well. And I highlighted this in the passage here, Exodus 2, verse 15, that he sits down by a well. I wonder if you've ever been in a moment like this where you feel like your whole life is behind you. You know, think about for Moses, his first 40 years, he grows up in Pharaoh's house with privilege and, and all kinds of everything at his fingertips. And in one moment, because he takes matters into his own hands and commits murder, he's driven out of that house. And not only the house, he's driven out of all of Egypt. He doesn't fit in with the Egyptians. He doesn't fit in with the Hebrews. And, and now he finds himself in a desert sitting by a well. And I wonder what he must've been thinking. I wonder what he must have been experiencing. Let's just sit by that well for just a moment with Moses. And maybe for some of you, you've been at that place where you've been sitting by a place and reflecting back on your life and your mistakes and and how you fell short of what God wanted for you. And you feel like my life is over. There's nothing in front of me. I have no place to go. Maybe for some of you today, you're in that place. You feel like you're with Moses sitting down by a well and you don't know what's going to happen next. And I want to say this to each and every one of you that feels like you're in a Exodus 2.15 moment or season in your life, that oftentimes God driving us into the desert and going into desert places has, has more to do with our future than it does our past. There, there's no doubt that Moses had to flee from, from Pharaoh and to escape from his poor decision. But God has something so much more for Moses and he has something so much more for us, but he has to go through the desert. Moses had to go into Midian, this second pivotal moment in his life in order for him to become the person that God wanted him to be, for his character to match his calling. And oftentimes we do too. And sometimes pivotal moments are actually seasons. They're not just moments and times, they're, they're months or they're years. They become a season for us of God working deeply in us so that he can work through us. We see here that, that Moses, as he's sitting down by the well, something profound happens in verses 16 through 25. Look at it with me in Exodus 2, the, this second pivotal moment in his life. And be, be maybe even thinking about the moments in your own life and what God has done. In that moment, sitting down by a well, wondering what he's going to do with the rest of his life, here comes um, Jethro's daughters to water their flock. And this opens up a new chapter of his life. And the scripture says here that Moses stood up for 
Jethro's daughters as they wanted to water their flocks and the shepherds would send them away because they wanted to water their flocks first. And we see Moses standing up for them and, and protecting them. Again, his character is shining through. What God is doing in his heart is shining through, but God has to train him and build him up and, and match that character and calling together. And the same thing happens for us. And oftentimes that requires waiting, and being in seasons and places where we may not want to be. And sometimes it requires wandering. Again, going through different moments in different places, sometimes deserts for God to train our hearts to match our character. That's what's busy happening in the life of Moses. And again, the desert of Moses's life, which is represented by Midian here in Exodus chapter two, has much more to do with his future and what God has in front of him than it does his past. And the same is true for you. It doesn't mean that where you are isn't consequential with some of the choices that you've made, but God is always out in front of us asking us to trust him more, to place our hand into his hand and to walk into the future that he has for us. And God used Midian to form and to shape Moses into the shepherd, into the leader, into the redeemer that he wanted him to be. But let me say it a different way here. The Moses that we meet here in Exodus 2 in this moment in his life in Midian in the desert as he spends the next 40 years of his life, this season, being a shepherd, it prepared him for who God wanted him to be. The Moses of Exodus 2 was not ready yet to be the Moses of Exodus 14 when he leads his people out of Egypt and parts the Red Sea in that, in that other pivotal moment that we remember. And I wonder if you might be in the same training season or waiting season or wandering season that Moses was here in Exodus chapter 2 in Midian. I wonder if, if a pivotal moment for you right now that, that is God's revelation to, to, to invite you to grow your faith is, is really a season, a season of waiting, a season of maybe wandering, a season of training. And my encouragement to you is to not give up on what God has in front of you, to, to not allow yourself to think that this is all about a consequence from my past and not about what God wants to do in the future. You know, our past and particularly the mistakes that we've made in our past, which we all have, they don't have to define us. They can inform us. They can inform us of how we need to trust God more, things that we need to change, things that we need to correct, correct but they don't have to define us. And that's what's busy happening in the life of Moses here. Midian is this place of training, of waiting, of wandering, and God shaping Moses' insides, his character, to, to match his great calling to be a redeemer and liberator of his people. And that leads to this third pivotal moment in Moses' life from Exodus 2 and 3. There's many more to come, but just a few today to encourage us, and that's a mountain. And one day when Moses is, is leading the flock uh, to water them, to, 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 to lead them to a place to graze, he finds himself on the very mountain of God. And this is found in Exodus chapter three. And I just want to read it for you here. Just the first five or six verses for you to get a picture of what's happening here on the mountain of God in this final pivotal moment for Moses. Exodus 3 verses 1 through 6. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and he came to, Hor came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame and a fire in the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning and yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why this bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. 
And then he said, do not come any further. Take off your sandals for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Maybe one of the most memorable, pivotal moments in all of the scriptures, the burning bush. But remember that Moses didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was ahead of him. And for Moses, he found himself in verse one in the middle of nowhere, not knowing how God was gonna work that day in such a profound way, how he was gonna reveal himself. And again, some of you might be in that place too, where you find yourself kind of in the middle of nowhere with your faith or in life, and you have no idea what God wants to do next. And we see God reveal himself in this incredible way to invite Moses to encounter him more. This is one of the theophanies of the Old Testament. It's a, it's a, it's a place where God appears in physical form to someone. In fact, many people think this is a Christophany where it's Jesus himself speaking from the bush. The angel of the Lord is oftentimes a descriptor of how Jesus was working and speaking in the Hebrew Testament. So think about that. Jesus himself crying out and speaking to Moses in the middle of nowhere in Exodus 3 here and, and, and giving him this incredible sign as a, a revelation of invitation to, to grow his faith and to follow him more deeply. Verse 3 says that it was this great sight that, that Moses sees, that it's a bush that's burning, that it's not consumed. And sometimes God does allow us to see things, right? You know, the, the writer of Hebrews says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. But sometimes God uses these special revelations where we can see in order to invite us to know him more and to grow our faith. And that's what's happening here. And when the Lord saw in verse four, look at it with me, Exodus three, verse four. When the Lord saw that Moses saw, when the Lord saw that Moses took the time and turned aside and gave him his full attention, that's when he cries out to him, Moses, Moses. He calls him by name. God initiates this, this invitation to Moses and he calls him by name. He sees him and he knows him and he invites him to know him even more. One of the ways that we uh, talk about pivotal moments here in our next gen ministry is we, we call them magnetic moments, these moments that pull us closer to God. And we want each of our kids and our students to, to have these moments with God, whether it's a retreat or it's a, um, a study that they're in a circle, that they're in a group, um, a mission trip, whatever it might be, an opportunity to lead these magnetic moments moments that pull each of us closer to the heart of God. And again, this is one of the most memorable ones in all of the scripture, the, the actual burning bush of Moses, this revelation to him that invites him to know, to know God even more. And then finally here in verses five and six, when we have these pivotal moments, they're, they're sacred, they're holy. And the way that this one is marked in verses five and six in Exodus three is, is God says to Moses, you, you need to take off your shoes because this, this space, this place that you thought was the middle of nowhere is actually holy ground. And the reason why it's holy is because I'm here and I'm revealing myself to you in this way. And I'm inviting you to know me more and to, to grow your faith in me, to go and do this incredible thing on my behalf. And that's what pivotal moments are. They're, they're, they're these moments when we become more aware of God's presence and his power all around us. And we know that God is with us but, but these pivotal moments, it just, it, they open our spiritual eyes to see how God is with us and how he's working in such powerful ways. I love what Elizabeth Browning says. She says, earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. 
but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. In other words, God's at work all around us. That there are burning bushes that, are, that, are all, that God has set all around us. But it's only when we turn aside and we take off our shoes and we recognize that this is a sacred moment. This is holy ground where God is revealing himself and inviting me to know him more and to grow my faith. That's, that's the only time where we can really experience it for what God wants these pivotal moments to be. Otherwise, we just sit around and eat blackberries and we, and we miss it. So in, in application today, as we finish the message, let me just ask you, I wonder if you can think about today a pivotal moment that God has allowed to happen in your life to grow your faith. A a way that God has revealed himself in a special way, in an unforgettable, only God type of way that's an invitation for you to know him more, to experience more of his presence, his power, and to grow your faith. How are you marking that? How are you helping yourself to remember that and to grow your faith? And then I wonder, here's the second question, I wonder if there's a burning bush in your life right now. Something that God has put right beside you that's, that's calling your attention for you to turn aside and to look at it and to experience God in the revelation that he's giving to you today. Or there may be one in your near future that God is preparing. And I wonder if you'll slip off your shoes, if you'll turn aside and you'll recognize it. And that you'll allow that revelation to invite you to know God more deeply and to follow him more closely. Or will we sit around and eat blackberries and miss what God is doing all around us. Remember, God's revelation is always my invitation, bottom line. God's revelation to me, all throughout the scriptures, God's revelation is my invitation to know him more deeply and to grow my faith. And God's ultimate revelation, guys, is Jesus. God gave us Jesus. He sent Jesus to us to reveal himself more deeply, to explain himself to us and to invite us into relationship with him by grace through our simple trust and faith. We have the scriptures now. The word of God is God's revelation to us. We have the very Holy Spirit that wants to indwell us and empower us. All of these are pivotal ways that God invites us to know him more deeply and to grow our faith. We started this series, How to Grow Your Faith, with a, with a poem from King George VI that he read to the, the British Commonwealth on Christmas Day, 1939, right at the outset of, of World War II. And I want to finish our series today by reading it again. He quoted from a poem, he said, A man stood at a gate of the new year, and he said, Give me light that I might tread safely into the unknown. And the man at the gate replied back to him, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God for that will be better than any light and safer than any known way. Let's remember today as we finish our series together that faith is is placing our hand into the hand of God and walking into the darkness. It's walking into the unknown. And, And my prayer for each of you today is that through this series, you'll do just that. You'll place your hand into the hand of God and you'll take your next step closer to him into the darkness, into the unknown and grow your faith for the glory of God and for the goodness of the gospel. Let's pray together. Jesus, today we ask you to grow our faith And we thank you for your constant invitation 
to do just that. The ways that you reveal yourself to us in these pivotal moments, these unforgettable only God ways that are these invitations to know you more, to know more of your power and your presence and your goodness and to grow our faith in you. So I pray that you would do that today. We place our hand into your hand today, God. And we ask that you would help us to take our next step closer to you and to the calling that you have for each and every one of us. Would you give us today the wisdom to know what that is and give us the faith now in this moment to take that step and to obey. We'll give you the glory for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. today, New City family. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City.